Welcome to season two of YMBA, the podcast brought to you by UCLA Anderson. I'm your host and 2017 Anderson grad, Alex Grodnick. Last season, we heard stories from visionary entrepreneurs about the role business school played in their startup journeys. We heard what it's like actually getting your dream job and also how to incorporate passion into all of our crazy busy lives. For this season on YMBA, we're going even deeper. Conversations about timing, serendipity, network building, all that and more on this season of YMBA. On the pod today, we're talking with Aaron Hirshhorn, the founder of Dog Vacay, the incredibly fast-growing dog-sitting marketplace that changed the way people care for their dogs. Aaron grew his startup from nothing to doing $100 million in revenue and went on to raise close to $50 million before it was acquired. Along the way, Dog Vacay pioneered the space, changed consumer behavior, and created a true legacy in the gig economy. Let's hear Aaron describe the problem that he set out to solve. I'm a dog guy, and I've got, at, at the time of this, uh, my first business, we had two dogs that we left in a kennel when my wife and I traveled to visit our families. And after a 10-day trip, we came back to a $1,400 kennel bill, and my dog, Rocky, was hiding under my desk, totally traumatized. And this was an experience where I said, wow, this is a real problem. Like, we're paying all this money to leave our dogs in a cage and get them traumatized. It doesn't make any sense. And that's ultimately when I started my first business, really just dog sitting out of my house. Aaron credits much of his success to timing. When you think about it, really everything in life comes down to timing. If you're weighing going to business school versus staying at your job or potentially starting a business, the timing of all these decisions is absolutely crucial for you. And while timing is pretty much entirely out of your control, the decisions you make and the outcomes you produce, they are in your control. So while it's helpful having good luck and good timing on your side, the important thing is, is that you go all in on your decisions. Once you've made up your mind, that's it. That's your path. And you need to be 100% in. No second guessing, no looking back. At least that's how Aaron sees it. Timing is critical. Like if I had started, and, and I'll talk about the business, but we, you know, we grew that in six years to over $100 million in sales. If I had started the business two years earlier, it would have failed. And if I had started it two years later, it would have already been done. And so timing is also just so critical. And, and a lot of that is, is luck. <laughs> As you learn in business school, opportunity cost is one of the most important factors affecting decision-making. Here's Professor Paola Giuliano, who taught my first year economics course describing the theory. Economics is about choices. For each decision, there is a benefit and there is a cost. When economists think about cost, they refer to opportunity cost. The opportunity cost of doing something is the next best alternative you have to give up to get what you want. For example, the opportunity cost of doing an MBA consists of the best job opportunity foregone during the two years of your MBA program. When we think about opportunity cost, it's not only about money or time. If I try to limit my calories during the day, the opportunity cost of eating an ice cream is the glass of wine that I won't be able to drink at night. So opportunity cost is a powerful concept that can be applied to any decisions in your life. As Professor Giuliano described, life is all about trade-offs. And while it's often impossible to know whether you should do A or B, what you can do is do all the research, consult with trusted advisors, and follow your instincts. If you do all that, 
chances are you will make the best of your path. Let's get into how Aaron navigated through his journey. When I was raising money for dog vacay in the beginning, I mean, most people chuckled at me. The idea was instead of leaving your dog in the kennel, we have thousands of hosts or dog sitters around the country and they watch your dog in their house like a member of the family. And everyone said, well, that's a a cool idea, but like the market's not that big. Venture really doesn't have a role in pets. It's not, it's a slow old industry, difficult to scale. I had all sorts of things like that, but the most, the biggest pushback was just around like the market opportunity and venture and pets. It's interesting now, 10 years later, it's completely changed. Uh, when I was fundraising for my new business, Gallant, which is in the pet space, uh, healthcare, I didn't have a single, I have not had a single person say that this wasn't a massive market. And in fact, you're seeing now, like, I think some pet specific funds are going to pop up too. So it was tougher timing in that sense. Like the market didn't realize and wasn't putting a lot of money behind these businesses. But because I was early in that, we were able to raise money and I think take a little bit of the the oxygen out of the room for the other people that were trying the same concept. Okay, Aaron, so you got a little money in the door. From that point, is it just off to the races? People started using my platform and I have no idea why. You know, in hindsight, I could figure out some of the reasons that we grew early. But we launched, I remember, in March of 2012. And by August of 2012, we were doing 250000 a month in revenue. And it was like, no one at that point, there wasn't a question. I do think, I'm thinking, there were still a couple people that said, hey, could this be a billion-dollar business? Not sure. But at least it was like, okay, there's product market fit. This thing is growing. It's filling a need. And that got a whole chunk of investors, like the Series A investors, over the hump because they saw the growth. Without that, you have to rely on storytelling. And, and that's what I've done on my new business. I haven't had any growth to, to show anybody, and I've really talked more about the opportunity and the team and and the like. So it really depends on what tools you have. But if you can show growth, that's the best thing. So with Don Vacay, we, we had a probably two, almost three years of like pretty breakneck growth. Most of that was, you know, in hindsight, again, most of that was because we had a decent product. I mean, and the product, I don't even mean product like the website or the app. I mean, the product was these individual loving dog sitters. And they were awesome. And we did some a few things. Well, we created a big insurance wrapper. If you remember when Airbnb first came out, it was like 2010, I think, one of the renters like trashed a home and built a meth lab in the basement or something. I don't remember what it was. And Airbnb said, hey, we're just a platform. We don't take any liability. And I saw very quickly that was not going to work with pets. Ultimately, it didn't work with their business and they made that change. But with pets, like you're, you're caring for someone's family member. So one of the things that we did really well, which drove that growth, is we put we covered everything. So if your dog got stung by a bee during a stay, we covered the vet bills for it. And that helped drive a lot of the growth. We were just quality, quality, quality was the single message we kept hitting over and over again. Now, after a little while, that stopped working. I mean, we were, we were growing. I remember one year, I think um, the previous year I'd done 30 and I think budget was going to be like 90 million. So we were trying to triple the revenue and the revenue didn't even double. No. Again, it was like 90-something percent growth. Really good, but not when your plan is to do 3x that. And we, I, I will admit that like, I looked around, and I wasn't really sure why we stopped growing. And the reason is I wasn't really sure well, why we were growing in the first place. 
And we kind of had to all take a step back and it required me to kind of take a look at the entire management team. I had a, a number of people that were there since the beginning, but they weren't necessarily skilled executives, knowing how to scale companies, knowing how to manage KPIs and larger orgs. I hired a new chief operating officer, which helped too. And basically we went and we just took a, a shredder to the business and broke down each part and tried to figure out what was happening. And one thing we discovered was while we had a lot of supply on the site, we had a lot of dog sitters, we were doing a pretty poor job of matching relevant requests. So if you had a big dog, I don't necessarily want to show you places with small dogs. You got to show people who are available. And we spent a lot of time focused on just one metric, our, our close rate which is the percentage chance that a dog sitter who receives an inquiry will end up watching that dog. Aaron, at this point, were you able to implement some of your learnings from consulting in business school? You get this bird's eye view. You get a, an ability to think about the business from every perspective, from the investor perspective, the accounting perspective, the customer perspective, the employee perspective, the operations perspective. You get all of these, and a lot of times, People who don't have that education go in and they kind of focus on the one or two areas that they're most comfortable to the detriment of some of the others. And I felt really comfortable sitting atop the whole thing and knowing all the administrative things and people things that needed to happen. doesn't mean I did them well. Certainly made lots of screw ups, but having that broad knowledge, I think is very, very valuable. So after getting the newly tuned business back on track, what happened next? We were able to, over the course of about six months, triple that number, which tripled our conversion rate, which made us able to spend a lot more marketing. And we were able to kind of restart the growth of the company at a higher scale. And that ultimately, you know, as we were growing, enabled us to have a conversation with our competitor, Rover, who was slightly bigger at the time, but, you know, we were similar in scale and made the decision to put those two businesses together. So now Dogvake and Rover are one. Sales are in the hundreds of millions. It's a billion dollar company. Obviously getting hit right now as travel goes down, but we'll come back. And that's been a great outcome and a lot of fun to stop and take a break. So after that, I was able to take you know, about a year and a half off and just kind of explore and then found myself falling into a new business again, which I had not at all planned to do. Aaron's clearly a hardworking and driven guy. It's interesting to hear the importance he puts on timing. I've always kind of thought I'll just work harder and smarter than anyone else to achieve my goals. And while Aaron has definitely applied hard work and determination to solving his problem, having timing on his side was obviously important. In speaking with Aaron and reflecting back on his journey, the luxury that hindsight affords us now makes it all seem so clean and simple. But as someone going through the ups and downs of starting a business now, I can assure you that that is not the case. As you hack your way through the jungle, you have no idea whether timing or luck are on your side. All you can do is make the best decisions you can with the information you have and give it your all. If you do that, luck and timing will eventually line up as they did for Aaron. Because as I believe to my core, you create your own luck. That's it for today. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned this season as we have great episodes ahead.